Hey, Dragon Ball fans, this is Todd from the future. Just coming to you to let you guys know that our number system for our episodes got a little bit messed up. So this one will be labeled number seven, even though there's not a number six. So uh, moving forward, we'll try to iron that out a little bit, but enjoy the episode. And here's Dayton from the past. Hello and welcome to Instant Transmission, a podcast where we discuss everything Dragon Ball and which villain is actually the scariest and why it's Mr. Popo. Tonight on Episode 7, we'll be diving back into our Dragon Ball Super discussion with the first part of the Universe 6 Saga breakdown covering Episodes 28 through 37. I'm your host, Dayton, and once again, I'm joined by my co-host, Todd. Hi! And before we get into the Saga discussion, why don't you give us a brief overview of where the story last led off? Absolutely. So we've had a few episodes away from the Dragon Ball Super anime. So we're going to go back and talk about the last part of the Dragon Ball Super anime that we covered. So last time on Instant Transmission. (laughs) Dayton and I covered the Golden Frieza arc where Frieza was brought back from the dead using the Earth's Dragon Balls. With a few months of training behind him, Frieza arrived on Earth for revenge against the Saiyans who defeated him on both Namek and Earth. Frieza's soldiers attacked the Z-Fighters and proved no match for them, but Frieza was far stronger than Gohan and the gang. Thankfully, Goku and Vegeta arrived just in time to save the day. Goku and Frieza began their battle, feeling each other out, but they both revealed new transformations in Golden Frieza and Super Saiyan Blue Goku. Frieza had the upper hand until his energy started to run dry, at which point Sorbet shot Goku through the chest with a laser ring. Vegeta stepped in to dominate Frieza, and Frieza, never one to take losing kindly, blew up the earth with a key blast. What a jerk. I know, right? <laughs> Whis, fortunately, saved our Z-Fighters and used his power to rewind time, allowing Goku a brief window to Kamehameha Frieza back to Hiffle. And that brings us to today's episode, where we begin the Universe 6 arc with Champa the Destroyer. Yes, yes, the Universe 6 has a god of destruction named Champa, and we're going to find out a lot about him coming up here in these next few episodes. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and get to our breakdown of these episodes. Do you want to introduce our first episode, episode 28? Absolutely. So... The sixth universe's god of destruction, his name is Champa. And the episode begins with a, what I describe as a fat Beerus riding around in a girl weas, uh, who is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I figured you'd like that. <laughs> uh, riding around through the universe just for a brief moment before we cut over to Goku and Vegeta doing some pretty hefty weighted training on Beerus's planet. Yeah, they've got these awesome weighted suits. I think there's even a comment in here somewhere about Vegeta saying the suits are even worse than the gravity training that he's gone through. So these things got to be pretty crazy. Yeah, it's quite intense. And as they're sitting there doing their uh, handstand push-ups, sweating, doing, what was it, 50,000 of them? Yeah. Weiss is just sitting off to the side, just sipping on delicious tea, enjoying the nice afternoon. 
Yeah, absolutely. And as these guys are finishing off their reps, we get an explosion off in the distance and it kind of sets off Beerus. He comes out and attacks Goku and Vegeta as he assumes that they're responsible. Yeah, we do get a scene where uh, Goku and Vegeta are in their weighted bubble suits and they're trying their best, by the way, to get away from Beerus as he's just letting loose destroyer energy all over the planet for, I think, being woken up. Yeah, absolutely. They've definitely disrupted his nap. And then we kind of cut over to the source of the explosion where we get to see Fat Beerus or Champa and Vados as our girl Whis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's their names. All right. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, they uh Vados makes a comment about how, you know, they could have landed a lot closer and more gracefully, but Champa wanted to make an entrance and walk his way over to Beerus's palace. But after a I would say a relatively long walk, not super long. Uh, Champa is exhausted and needs to drink something as he's just pouring sweat, just can't walk anymore. <laughs> yeah, I like this because we, this kind of does what I think the first or second episode of Super does for us with Beerus and Whis, where we're getting some characterization for Vados and Champa here. And we're kind of getting the idea that Champa seems like he's kind of lazy. He seems like he's a little bit bossy right off the bat. And uh, he he's definitely got an ego. He's We get a couple of like shots of him with kind of this mischievous grin, too. So we're figuring him out pretty quick here, which I like. And Vados does not hesitate to take little shots over at Champa whenever the opportunity presents itself, whether it's commenting on Champa's weight or doing literally what Champa says and uh, kind of being shot down for it. Yes, absolutely. I, I like their dynamic here. It, it does a good job of really exacerbating Champa's kind of uh, crappy attitude about things, honestly. Yeah, I feel like immature is probably the word that comes to my mind. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. And so we eventually get Champa and Beerus kind of coming into conflict. Beerus basically is like, doesn't even recognize Champa because he gets this explosion dust on his face. And uh, Beerus just treats him really flippantly. Beerus does not seem to care about Champa in this scenario at all. Oh, yeah. Champa is definitely uh, got his chest out. He's feeling arrogant. He's talking all cocky. And Beerus is just, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> just shoots him down immediately. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's a pretty great exchange there. And we eventually get them at a what looks like almost like a dinner table and a much more civil setting here. Uh, everybody's here. We've got Goku and Vegeta. And we kind of get the reason for Champa being here is to show off his excellent food to Beerus. That is true. Uh, we were about to get a preview into the multiverse, but that was too boring for Goku. So we bypass that and just go into uh, a food exchange. Because <laughs> <laughs> we know Goku's all about the food. <laughs> this is where they confirm that Champa is, in fact, a god of destruction from another universe, and that these two have met to do a food comparison, which I guess is something that they like to do. Right, right. And yeah, good point. And I think... At this point, too, we learn that Beerus and Champa are brothers. I think they reveal that here, too. And yeah. I mean, you can you can tell by their appearance that they're connected somehow. Yeah, I think you'd uh, no one's shocked that they're brothers. Yeah, absolutely. 
And so Champa brings out these spotted eggs and feeds them to Beerus, Goku, Vegeta, and I think Whis as well. And uh, we get a couple comments that these just taste like normal deviled eggs or boiled eggs. Yeah, there's nothing really that special about them, I guess, other than how pretty the shell of the egg is. But I think the big bragging point is that these are boiled eggs from a rare, recently discovered species. So good use of your finding of a new rare species, I guess. Yeah, yeah, let's eat their eggs. But apparently they don't taste any like anything special. And so then we get uh, Beerus bringing out Bulma's favorite dish, as we all know, the cup ramen. <laughs> okay, let's be real. Those are fantastic. I think that's I'm, great. <laughs> I mean, I do love me some cup ramen. It is Absolutely. pretty funny. It's a pretty, I mean, it's just a funny, you know, comedy bit about the food and stuff, too. I like that part. But I think around this point is when we do actually get kind of an explanation as to how the multiverse kind of works with, I believe, Whis and, is it just Whis or is it Whis and Vados that explain pretty much the whole thing? Mostly Whis, but yeah, I think Vados kind of adds her two cents in there too. And they kind of describe how there's, let's see, is it? It's 13. No, can't be 13. There are 12 universes, Twelve, and each one has a pair, and the number of that universe uh, that it's paired with should add up to 13. So that's why it's 6 and 7, it's 12 and 1, and so on and so forth. There it is. That's where I was pulling the 13 from. And so we kind of get that description. This is something that we, we've never heard about in Dragon Ball before, so this is all new lore for us, which is kind of fun. They're expanding and broadening the world of Dragon Ball. Which is crazy to me because I feel like we haven't even really explored our universe. Now we're widening it up to, well, at least 11 other universes. That's freaking crazy to me. That's a good point. We, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because we've honestly, how many planets have we even explored in Universe 7? I mean, we've got Earth, Namek, the Yardrats, uh, I think there's a couple <laughs> of movies where maybe they go to another planet briefly or something like that, or we hear about it, but there's we really don't spend any time anywhere other than Earth and Namek. Yeah, I mean, Planet Vegeta, but that's gone. Like, there's not many planets. I'm drawing a blank. There's uh, We haven't discovered a whole lot about Universe 7, so that's a good point, but they're going to expand it here anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going. We're cranking this thing to 11, or I guess yeah. 13, technically. <laughs> so uh, we basically get an exchange between Champa and Beerus here, I think, where they talk about uh, where the ramen came from, and Beerus explains that it came from Earth. And then Vados goes to look for the equivalent of Earth in Universe 6. And it turns out that Earth in Universe 6 there was some sort of war that wiped out all of the people on Earth. And so Champa's kind of SOL in terms of getting some tasty yep. Earth food. Universe 6 has no Earth. And the laugh that the English dub Beers gives around that fact had me rolling. It is perfect. It is patronizing. <laughs> it was really well done. And it actually got me laughing. Your your universe's Earth is destroyed? <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> And yeah, I think we mentioned this before, but um, the first time through, I watched all subs and this time I'm watching the dub. So there are going to be some things I point out that are, I guess, I remember differently or just hit me differently this time. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've got a few things to mention about that later, too. And so we more or less get... Uh, I mean, Champa is not happy when he finds out that his Earth is more or less destroyed or at least worthless to him. And so I think he issues a challenge to Beerus and <laughs> they it kind of starts as a little fight between the two of them initially. But the the angels, we Simbato, stopped the fight, saying that the destroyers would destroy both universes if they fought together. Yeah, it got pretty heated there for a moment. And the the god energy just from the two, I guess, going back and forth was starting to consume everything in a ring around them that was slowly expanding. Yeah, yeah. It, and so they basically kind of come to a consensus that they're not going to fight each other, but they're going to create a tournament or at least a competition where they choose the five strongest fighters from each universe to fight for them. And basically, Champa is saying that he wants he wants Universe 7's Earth. He wants to be able to take it to his universe in six, and then he can have all of the tasty Earth food. Yeah, but the wager on the other side is pretty a pretty big deal, too. He reveals that there are super dragon balls or wish orbs that exist that can grant pretty much anything anyone could ever want. They're immensely powerful and ancient and that he's been collecting them. Right. And we've had at least a few episodes early on, I think even as early as maybe episode two in Super that showed Champa and Vados kind of flying around collecting these super Dragon Balls. So we've got a little bit of a taste of that, at least, which is good. That is, yeah. And I'm really happy that it's kind of tying in the Dragon Balls again, so it stays true to the, the name of the show. Yeah. But yeah, na- it's, name drop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that That's for darn sure. <laughs> I, what did you think about the uh, the super Dragon Balls, though, to talk about that for a minute? Talk about that for a minute. So I, I'm i more or less okay with it just because I think the idea of there not being other wish orbs in the universe, like that's weird to me that only Namekians came up with those and it does feel like it plays with divine energy. But I don't know. I guess I never really questioned it one way or the other. I just looked at it and thought, yeah, cool. More Dragon Balls. I kind of expect this to happen. Yeah, yeah, and that's fair. I'm a little bit torn on it in that I want them to get rid of the Dragon Ball, <laughs> but mostly because I want there to be some sort of stakes. So it, it it bothers me at least a little bit when there's at this at this point we know of three different sets of Dragon Balls that they can use to kind of wish away their problems. I mean, if you ask me, get rid of all the other Dragon Balls and just have the multiverse Dragon Balls because at least then it's some effort to get them. Yeah, that's a good point. I'd be totally fine with that. But but regardless, they basically use them as a tool to get this tournament running and off the ground. It, it gives the gods some sort of incentive. Yeah, yeah, I do. I don't mind it. I don't think I love it either, but I don't mind it. It just it's very Dragon Ball, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's fair. That pretty much brings us to the end of this episode. Goku expresses interest in participating in the tournament. Uh, Vegeta is a little more on the fence about it. Yeah, he's actually kind of keeping the stakes in mind, whereas Goku just wants to fight strong people. Yeah, I mean, typical Goku, right? 
But yeah, that more or less wraps up that episode. Did you have any anything else to say about that one, Dayton? Uh, no, that episode, it was pretty much the the episode that got the ball rolling as far as where the saga is going. So it was full of, yeah. I guess, important information and where things were going. I also always love every episode where people are training and actually actively getting stronger. So that made me happy. So and also I like Chapa and Beerus's interactions. So it was a very entertaining episode. Yeah, I largely agree with you. A couple of things that I wanted to bring up about it. One, with this being the first episode of the next arc, one of the big complaints that I've seen about Super and that I largely agree with is the fact that it doesn't tie the arcs together very well. They just feel like separate stories. And that's kind of what we're seeing here. Is this is this does not feel like there's any sort of connection or meaning to uh, our previous arc, which was the Golden Frieza arc. And so I think we're going to see that's kind of a continuing theme in Super, where they just don't tie the stories together very well, unfortunately. I'm going to agree with you in a slightly different way. I think, if anything, I think this points out how out of place the Golden Frieza arc felt. (laughs) I mean, I can't really argue with you there as much (laughs) as I love Frieza, but it does feel a little bit out of place. In fact, I'm almost positive they skipped the Frieza arc in the manga. (laughs) Oh, geez. Uh, (laughs) It would make sense. Yeah, which is kind of funny. But um, (laughs) the only other thing that I wanted to point out here, and we might be beating a dead horse, but the animation in this one was kind of mad. Some of the faces look a little bit weird. Even the like fighting between Champa and Beerus was funny to me because animation wise, it looked really bad. And Goku is sitting on the sidelines being like, wow, they're so cool. <laughs> and I really just kind of got a chuckle out of that disparity between those two things. Oh, geez. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. let's uh, let's let that lie where it is. And we'll kind of skip forward to episode 29. All right, let's go into the next episode, which is episode 29. It's settled. We're holding a martial arts match. The team captain is even stronger than Goku. Oh, boy. Doesn't that get you excited? Oh, yeah. This is great. I love <laughs> the title for this one. It's it's a little bit spoilery, but not in the bad way that we see sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. <laughs> but the episode begins with a discussion of the rules for the tournament, oddly enough. Yeah, Goku is actually the one who says, hey, let's do it like the Earth's World Tournament. And uh, he kind of gives the rules with like the ring out and all that stuff. And uh, it seems like it kind of goes over pretty well. He's pretty excited about it. Um, Did you have anything else to say about this scene, Dayton? Uh, There's not a whole lot to talk about other than we're basically just doing the World Martial Arts Tournament, but in space. And once they decide on the rules and Ciampa's leaving, I believe he tosses a uh, boiled egg over to Goku as he's walking out the door. And Goku kind of fumbles it for a second and then barely catches it and flips around in his spacesuit where he's kind of barely floating around. He's really struggling with everything. And as Ciampa's leaving with Vados, he makes a comment about how Goku is such a buffoon and just sorts of just kind of starts ripping on him. Right. We kind of get the idea that Ciampa has an incorrect impression of Goku and not only how strong he is, but how, I guess, dexterous and agile he is as well. (laughs) Which is, you know, that's pretty typical Goku. He's got this kind of soft, I guess, goofy demeanor that I think anyone would look at him and go, man, this guy's a joke. Get out of here, you farmer. Yeah, yeah, he's a bit of a 
backwoods goofball, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of like that, that it kind of plays into Goku's character and what everyone thinks about him. Like, even the God of Destruction, Champa, thinks that Goku's just kind of a goof. Yeah, that's true. I Honestly, we didn't get it in this scene, but I actually would have loved to have heard what Champa had to say about Vegeta, because Vegeta is just kind of sitting in the background being much more serious and not really showing his hand, I guess. So that would have been that interesting. Is, that is true. Um, the the Z fighters there were wearing those super heavy weighted suits. They were in their base forms. They were uh, they just got done training a whole bunch. So I'm sure they were tired. Yeah, they were seeing uh, Goku and Vegeta pretty much at their most exhausted, weakest forms and kind of making judgments off of that. Right. Yeah. And we get a quick little scene where we get to see them take the suits off and the suits just sink into the ground, which I thought was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, they just keep going. <laughs> uh, I thought that was good. I also always love the weighted training kind of trope that's in Dragon Ball. It's been around for forever and I never get tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now, if you haven't gone jogging in a weighted vest, you're not trying. I yeah, I did that when I was a teenager uh -huh. because no. Dragon Ball. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So after the scene with Champa, I believe it flips over to Balma, who is being approached about a job. Right. And so they're basically trying to get Balma to create a radar to find the Super Dragon Balls here. Does that sound right? Yeah. And the the whole idea of that is hilarious to me, considering that at this point, humanity is barely capable of space travel. Like they, <laughs> I mean, they can do it, but they only live on Earth. So the idea of being like, yeah, you could barely make a spaceship once you go out into the universe and find these things scattered amongst there. <laughs> like it shouldn't be that hard, right? Yeah, that is pretty funny. The it's kind of a it, Balm was in a weird place, if only because space travel has been normal for her for probably decades at this point, but. Space travel for Earth as a whole. I mean, Balma was probably one of the first Earthlings to go to outer space in the like start of the Namek Saga or the tail end of the Saiyan Saga originally in Dragon Ball Z. And so, I, I feel like that like they kind of more or less rubbed all their brain cells together and custom made a ship just for that. Like they're not spaceship, you know, smiths. They just no. happen to be able to put together enough technology and know-how to get something that could get them there. Right. And at this point, again, this is probably almost 20 years afterwards. Uh, maybe not quite that, but this is at a point where Balma could probably build a spaceship. She has the know-how to do it without a problem. Um, and, and she's got enough. <laughs> that's important. Just like Bezos. <laughs> and she's also got, you know, she's got the technology that she created for a dragon radar as well. So we kind of get the impression that they're trying to get her to just modify that technology and create something that uh, is on a universal scale. Which I think around this point, we do get our first kind of sneak peek at the Super Dragon Balls, and they are they are huge. They are planet-sized Dragon Balls that you can only imagine how powerful they are. That's a big meatball. Yeah, those <laughs> things are... They're big. Uh, and then Balma actually comes up with the bright idea to, instead of using the dragon radar or creating a new one to summon Shenron and ask Shenron, hey, where is this seventh uh, super dragon ball? Oh, so yeah, that's right. Yeah, they they because that would be a lot easier than actually having to go out there and search the entire universe. Just wish for the dragon ball sort of wish for more wishes. Come on. 
<laughs> I mean, Vegeta disappears for all of five minutes and finds all seven Earth's Dragon Balls with the Dragon Radar. Uh, they summon Shenron and they ask Shenron, uh, and he says, it is beyond my power to find this one item in all of the universe. I'm not even saying bring it to me. I'm just saying, where is it? And it's, you can bring people back from the dead. You can restore entire planets, but you can't find this one thing. Like, I got some nitpicks about that. I'm a little bit torn on it. Like, there's a part of me that understands, like, the universe is, you know, infinite. Uh, but then, yeah, I don't know. It it, it feels like a plot device. Um, I think we also kind of both of us wanted to talk briefly about the fact that Shenron comes out this time being even more scared and timid when he's interacting with Beerus here. Yeah, and it bothers me because Shenron should be this immortal, powerful being that kind of transcends mortality. So I could see him knowing Beerus and maybe being respectful of Beerus, but the whole cowering and fear thing, it gets it gets a little old, especially when Shenron's not usually the the funny guy. Yeah, and it it even gets to the point where <laughs> they say something about the fact that Shenron can't grant their wish, and Shenron's asking like, "Hey, do you guys have another wish?" And Beerus says, "No, you're useless to me," or kind of dis- dismisses him. And Shenron's reaction in that moment was kind of like, "Oh, like a beaten dog." And I was like, "It doesn't feel appropriate for the Shenron that I know and love from Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z." That's exactly it. Like, we spent most of our lifetimes trying to get the Dragon Ball so we could see Shenron, and he was such a powerful, awe-inspiring being, and now he's just kind of the, I guess, the comic relief at this point, which kind of makes me sad. Yeah, yeah. I was a little bit bummed out by that, too. But moving on from there, we basically get... uh, Balma kind of goes to create the radar because they don't have another way to find it. We do have one other important note. Um, right before Shenron is summoned, Bulma gets a sneak attack kiss on Vegeta, and he's super embarrassed, and I thought it was funny. Yeah, I forgot <laughs> about that, actually. And I liked that moment, too. Uh, it, I mean, it, any moments where you get Bulma and Vegeta interacting in terms of their relationship, I really enjoy. Just any explanation into how the hell they work. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and so, let's see, we kind of move to... oh. Uh, we get the reveal here, which is kind of the the title drop or the episode title that uh, Beerus tells Goku about Manaka being on the team. And Manaka is supposedly the strongest fighter that Beerus has ever fought, even stronger than Goku. Which is crazy because up to this point, no one's gotten even close to Goku except for Frieza, so... The fact that there's another fighter in the universe that is stronger than Goku that is going to be on Goku's team is kind of sweet. Yeah, it's it's a kind of a fun reveal. Goku gets super excited about it. And at that point, Beerus asks Goku and Vegeta to fill out the rest of the team. So we know we've got three fighters already between Goku, Vegeta and Monaka. So they need two additional fighters to flesh out the team. So we know the rules. We know most of the people in the team. And now it's all that's left is assembling the last couple Z fighters are going to be joining up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so we get a kind of a fun little exchange that I liked between Beerus and Bulma here, too, where 
Balma expresses concern that Beerus is going to wish for the universe to be destroyed because Beerus basically says that if he got the the Super Dragon Balls, that might be something fun to wish for. Um, but he also says that the Super Dragon Balls are really just kind of like toys to a god, that they don't really care about them too much. It's just kind of an excuse for the competition between them. Yeah, I think it kind of puts things into perspective. These aren't normal people with normal whims and wishes. These are deities who are timeless and have, I guess, other concerns. So the idea of Beerus getting the Super Dragon Balls and just, I don't know, wishing for whatever he wants, which could be the universe's destruction, might be funny to him because he doesn't really care. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And... After that, we get a short little scene that I I just liked because it's kind of a callback to the uh, manga with Jocko, where Balma calls her sister Tights. And this might be one of the first times, maybe one other time, where we see Tights in the anime. And uh, Tights contacts Jocko because Balma needs some help getting out into the universe to find this super dragon ball. All that stuff is just jarring to me. I, you didn't read that little manga thing. So it, <laughs> for somebody who didn't read that part of the manga, it makes no sense almost. So it's like, I don't oh, blame you. That Jacko guy. Okay. Oh, Bulma has a sister. Too. What is going on? <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't, it, it feels disjointed in the anime. So I wish they would have, I don't know, maybe given us like a side anime thing that showed us all the stuff that happened in the little manga between tights, Jocko and Bulma. Yeah, and tights, they don't give me any insight into her personality, so she's just Balma's nice sister who hangs out on the beach, I guess? Yeah, you definitely learn a little bit more about her in the manga. Uh, Not a whole lot, but more than they give you in the anime. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the anime gives me she exists, so anything more than that is information. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I think that wraps up that episode, doesn't it? More or less, um, we basically get to see the reveal of the Super Dragon Radar. Yeah! And that pretty much brings us to an end there. Um, one of the things that I wanted to express about these first two episodes is that throughout these two, Goku continuously expresses his excitement that there are so many fighters stronger than him between the gods, the angels, these fighters from this other universe or multiple universes. And that is contrasted by Vegeta being annoyed to find out there are so many fighters stronger than him, which I thought was really funny. Vegeta doesn't want to keep getting stronger. He wants to be the strongest. He just wants to be at the finish line already. Yep, yep. (laughs) I absolutely agree, which is why I really like that they showed that, and I wanted to bring that up, because Goku is just excited about the journey of getting stronger, and he likes having these challenges to overcome. And Vegeta just wants to be top dog. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're getting older now. Like, I, I understand Vegeta. He kind of wants to retire and know that he made it to the top and call it a day. <laughs> yeah, he's got kids. I, he's got a wife. The man, he's got a lot going on. That's right. He's got stuff dragging him down. But uh, <laughs> I think he just wants to be, he just wants that title. He wants to be the strongest. He wants to be the champ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's got to beat Hercule first. <laughs> but that that episode that was an all right episode there was i guess some decent stuff into there it felt like it dragged on a little bit and also the whole shenron thing felt like it was pointless so yeah yeah i agree 
also, oh, one other thing I wanted to bring up is the fact that we're only on episode 29 of Super, and I think we've seen them use the Dragon Balls maybe three times. Oh, and there's no. supposed to be one year between each time that they use the Dragon Balls. Yeah, right. these things are getting out of hand. They're just, they're everywhere. Just wish for everything, I guess. Yeah, it, it starts to get a little bit ridiculous and it's hard to keep track of the time as a result and stuff too. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of a funny detail. But I mean, they definitely decided to go away from the Dragon Balls are rare and powerful things and now you just go and collect them when you need them. Yeah, which is... I don't know. That's why I wish they would just get rid of the Dragon Ball. <laughs> just get rid of uh, like I think we discussed this off uh, off air, but I think they should just get rid of all Dragon Balls except for these big old super ones. I'd be totally fine with that. I those ones are harder to get. The Earth Dragon Balls are too easy to get. Even the Namekian Dragon Balls with instant transmission too easy to use. Oh and yeah. So, it's like oh, just does. call up the Namekians. We need some Dragon Balls. That's as hard as it is. <laughs> Yeah, more or less. So <laughs> that's just kind of like the backup Dragon Balls. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's right. But I think uh, that's going to lead us into episode 30, rehearsing for the martial arts match. Who are the two remaining members? And this episode begins with Vegeta and Goku discussing who their other team member will be as Krillin decides to hop on in. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of having a conversation with Krillin, but uh, Krillin is not on the list of people that they're interested in drawing into the tournament here. Oh, man. I know, I know. As a Krillin fan, I'm I'm sure that's a bummer. Uh, We kind of get them re-explaining the whole multiple universes thing to Krillin, and it this felt weird to me. It almost felt like a weird, like, recap episode, and it Lasts for like half of episode 30. Yeah, there's actually there's two big spots where they do a lot of recapping and it's which would be great. I don't mind the way they did a recap episode, but this was like a recap episode in the middle of a story arc in the middle of the show. So I don't know. I don't know why they chose to do it here, but I guess we're getting a giant recap of the last few episodes. Yeah, and it's it's recapping the last episode that we just (laughs) kind of watched (laughs) it Uh. it felt weird i don't know if they were trying to like push home and help people understand how the new universe structure works that they brought in here but it felt like something they should have just shown us again a little bit later down the road not an episode or two after they already showed it to us yeah and when we're watching these episodes we typically take notes that way we kind of stay on subject we know what's going on I actually just have a recap of the last two episodes, question mark, because I didn't know what they were doing for for this episode. No, it felt a little bit weird. I, so more or less, we're going to skip through the first half of this episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, there's going to be some skipping in here. We're going to skip the recaps because we just gave you a recap. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I think in the second half of the episode, we get... Oh, I we get a fun scene, actually, I thought, where we... S- is talking to Beerus, and he says that Beerus has changed since he met Goku and the Earthlings, and in that Beerus agreed to participate in the tournament. He spared the Earth and even helped save the Earth, even though Whis was kind of the one who did that. Hmm. And Whis ends up comparing Beerus to Goku because they both love fighting and they're they just want to have fun. 
Uh, so I thought these were some kind of fun, interesting little points where we get to see this kind of breakdown of Beerus's character. They were fun and interesting points that were also an excuse to do more recap. So it kind of got lost on me a little bit. Yeah, I can't really argue with you there, considering they did do little flashbacks to the first couple of episodes and with Beerus and Goku's fight and whatnot. But no, you're right. This was, I mean, the discussion was good because I think, I guess we could say old Beerus probably would have just destroyed Goku and the Earth and moved on with his day. The fact that he's, he not only let Goku and the Earth and the Z Fighters live, which is already out of character for what we know about him, but he actually mm-hmm. saved the planet by asking Whis to do the old uh, takes these backsies. Right, yeah. And this is honestly, a, it's a good way of showing what Goku does best throughout all of Dragon Ball, honestly, where Goku changes the people around him. He's changed Piccolo. He's changed Vegeta. He's changed so many characters throughout the story of Dragon Ball. And it's just by the nature of being kind of happy-go-lucky, a little bit goofy, and loving having good competition around. I mean, shoot, if I'm remembering correctly, wasn't Tien a bad guy way back in original Dragon Ball? Yeah, yeah, that's another good callback. Tien was a bad guy who got changed by Goku, and Tien says as much multiple times. So Let's see here. So I think around this point, the group starts talking about who they're going to bring in for uh, their team, and I do believe they land on... Boo and Piccolo are their top choices at this point. Right. And we see them ask Boo to join. And we actually get a kind of sweet scene where Boo is saying that he'll join if he gets a wish on the Dragon Balls. I think Goku offers him the wish. And all Boo wants the wish for is he wants to give it to Mr. Satan, which is kind of fun. Oh, what a nice guy. Right, right. <laughs> I do like, though, that they landed on Boo and Piccolo. Even Vegeta brings up after the uh, suggesting those two that why not pick your son? Why not pick Gohan? And even Goku's like, uh, he's, he hasn't really <laughs> been fighting. He might be a little rusty. Yeah, which is interesting because even in the the Resurrection F arc, we saw that even though Gohan was rusty, He's still absolutely stronger than Piccolo. Piccolo is almost certainly a better fighter, though. So that's kind of what Goku's going on here. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. The fact that even Goku wasn't considering his own son, which is something that uh, I was. uh, I don't know if I like that because I feel like Goku would have kind of the the rose tinted glasses like we should definitely get my son. We should definitely get Gohan. Remember how he beat Cell? Yeah, and that's what I wanted to bring up, too, is the fact that Goku pushed Gohan, who didn't want to fight as a 11 or 12-year-old child. <clears throat> Goku pushed him into fighting Cell and into killing Cell. And here we've kind of got the opposite situation where Goku's like, eh, Gohan's not really in shape to fight. But the other thing about that, though, is that Maybe this is Goku actually learning and becoming a better father because Piccolo reamed Goku for pushing Gohan into that fight with Cell and Goku didn't understand his son. He didn't understand that Gohan did not like fighting like Goku does. Yeah, and it's a good thing that Piccolo actually taught Goku how to father his son because otherwise I think a lot of bad things would have happened. 
Piccolo, best green dad. <laughs> Everyone loves green dad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we even get a scene here where uh, Goku and Vegeta go to recruit Piccolo, and they find Piccolo is fighting with Gohan. And Gohan actually is, you know, he's here training. He says that he's got a family to protect, and he needs to make sure that he's in shape to fight if there is something that threatens the Earth. And then Gohan even asks to take the spot. He asks to participate in the tournament. Yeah, and I love training scenes. I love that Gohan's getting back into action. I love that Piccolo's training him. It's so good. I love watching Z Fighters train. And my favorite part about this whole scene was that when they sh- when Goku first shows up to Piccolo and Gohan training, um, all we get is Goku saying hi to Piccolo. <laughs> I honestly didn't even notice that. That's hilarious. That was the first thing I caught. I was just like, ah, Gohan, hi. Uh, Piccolo, what's up, dude? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, makes uh, me maybe, so happy. Maybe my thought about uh, Goku becoming a better father was <laughs> not so accurate. <laughs> That's pretty excellent. Um, but we basically end up with Gohan saying, oh, he's he's got other obligations. He's got a conference and he doesn't want to lose his job. And so eh, kind of the general theme of Gohan just not getting back into fighting, at least at this point in Super. Yeah, which is meh. I'm, I'm here to see them fight. I, I would rather Gohan... No, I'd I'd, just, I'd rather Gohan and sign up for it and be like, yeah, like after Frieza, I'm a different person. But at this point, it, I don't get that vibe from him. Right. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen that too, especially if they were just going to. Well, we'll see what they do with Boo later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think that that brings us. Oh, you know what? There's one more little thing where Goku says that he wants to train in the hyperbolic time chamber for three days, which is another three years of training. Uh, which he, I think he first asked Piccolo if he wants to join, and Piccolo's like, mm, I can't keep up with you Saiyans. And then uh, he asked Vegeta if Vegeta wants to join, who is initially reluctant, but then decides he doesn't want to get left behind. <laughs> yeah, I think that's interesting. I'm at this point, I'm, God, how old are Goku and Vegeta? How many years can you spend in the hyperbolic time chamber? Well, then again, Goku got a new lease on life with the whole Super Saiyan God transformation, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Goku was technically dead for seven years, so I think oh, he his body didn't age while he was in other worlds. So mm. eh. let's not let's not ask about uh the how bodies and physics work in Dragon Ball because uh <laughs> they just kind of make it up as they go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but that more or less wraps up that episode. What did you think about that one, Dayton? Uh, it was an all right episode. Um. Like I said before, I like any episode where people are training, but I mean, they were more or less just assembling the Z fighters and Goku and Vegeta went into the hyperbolic time chamber again. And that's more or less it. There wasn't really a lot else going on in that episode. Now, the latter half of that episode had some okay information in it, but the first half was mostly a recap. uh, Yeah, I think it loses a lot of points for me for being a recap episode of the previous two episodes. It seems that that to me seems ridiculous. I don't know what they were doing, (laughs) but maybe they just didn't have time to animate stuff for that week or something. Yeah, Um, it seemed kind of fillery, but, you know, speaking of actual fillery, you want to move on to the next episode? Let's do it. Episode 31. Yep, to Lord Zuno. Ask about the location of the Super Dragon Balls. And 
oh boy, this is an episode. Oh man, I don't have a lot of uh, notes for this one, but I know how I feel about this one. <laughs> I am fine, kind of glossing over this one because it, yeah, it's just a lot of weird stuff, and most of it's not really that relevant. I think uh, no. I'm gonna go ahead and just discuss the most important note, and that's that the Super Dragon Balls are ancient and are split between Universe Six and Seven. That's basically the most important part that we learn, uh, more or less. Jocko and Bulma kind of go on their own little adventure. They fly off to meet Zuno, who apparently knows everything there is to know. Uh, and there's some some kind of like old school slapstick jokey stuff about Bulma's age and Bulma flirting with Jocko and Bulma flirting with Zuno and talking about Bulma's sagging breasts. And uh, some of it just feels... I mean, to be fair, it feels like old school Dragon Ball humor, but 30 years later, it feels a little bit dated. Yeah, and like it's a whole episode of it, so it's kind of jammed down your throat. There's nothing else really going on, so I can forgive a little bit of that with like Master Roshi or whatever, and you know, they'll make their joke and they'll move on, and either it's funny or usually not. But in this episode where that's everything that's happening, it just, I didn't like it. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. On top of the fact that, like you said, them going to even find Zuno and find out where this Super Dragon Ball was, they don't really end up getting much information. And it felt like a pointless episode. It felt like they were trying to pull old school Dragon Ball and give us like a fun little side story, but it was kind of pointless. Yeah, that's probably one of my biggest critiques of Dragon Ball Super as a whole is that they try to pull on, like, old heartstrings and reference old things, but it always feels kind of cheap. Like, it's not very well integrated. It's just, look at this reference. Look at Piccolo sacrifice himself again. It's just kind of jammed in there, and it doesn't really feel natural or organic. I feel the same way, especially for the earlier half of Dragon Ball Super. I think there are some later that I definitely enjoy, but we'll, we'll get to those. I think for the most part, that's going to wrap up that episode. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm I'm happy just to gloss over that one. You're not missing anything. No, absolutely not. So episode 32. The matches begin. Everyone head to the nameless planet. And this episode uh, is kicked off with Goku and Vegeta sparring in the hyperbolic time chamber. And they are just a freaking mess. <laughs> yeah, this this is pretty fun. I actually liked the exchange here, especially because... Each of them, Goku starts by telling Vegeta, like, man, you always find holes in my fighting. And Vegeta kind of responds in kind, but he doesn't really, he's not as forthcoming telling Goku that, but he definitely expresses the same sentiment. Yeah, I think it's, uh, he mostly says it in his internal monologue. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's not willing to admit it to Goku, but he he admits it to himself if nothing else i say he knows he needs them he just does his pride won't let him admit it right yeah so i was glad we got that little scene with them uh there is a little bit of like kind of dumb goku here which uh vegeta go a little overboard sometimes yeah i'm not a huge fan of that was super goku but yeah we'll see how that changes um we we basically get uh I think the next scene is 
they've finished their training and Weiss is collecting everybody on the last day to actually go to the tournament. And uh, we've got all the Z fighters, their family, their friends, pretty much everybody going to this to kind of just watch and enjoy the show. Yeah, and even uh, Jocko arrives with the king of the universe or something like that, which is a weird squid guy. Yeah, the Galactic King. I think we get a scene <laughs> with him a little bit more later, but uh, he's just briefly introduced. Uh, there's um, Goku and Vegeta show up here with beards, which I thought was interesting. What did you think about that, Dayton? Um, I, I, I didn't know what to think about it, just because it's the first time we've seen them with beards, but at the same time, didn't um, didn't Vegeta's dad have a beard? So it's something that Saiyans do do. Right. There's, I mean, Vegeta has expressed in the past that Saiyan's hair doesn't change except for their facial hair. And so this is kind of showing us that, but it brings up so many other questions in my mind. Yeah. Like, do they shave every day? And I, I don't know. It's, it's just, it seems like kind of a cheap visual gag to me in a way. Yeah. I just, whatever. They have beards. Haha. <laughs> it's funny. Um, yeah. I do have an actual complaint though. Ooh, let's hear it. So Goku and Vegeta show up to meet up with the gang to get transported over to the, the tournament, and they smell awful. They have not <laughs> showered. If you remember, there is, in fact, a shower in the hyperbolic time chamber. There is no excuse for that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think you're right. To be fair, uh, it's Goku and Vegeta. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i don't know it is, that is a good point though i for, actually forgot that there was a shower in there because gotenks gets knocked into piccolo and they're knocked into the bathroom and they land in the bathtub there's That's right. absolutely a shower in there i know that because i rewatched some of the boo saga recently <laughs> so yeah, i am right. i am the expert there is a shower in the hyperbolic time chamber i'm willing to die <laughs> in that hill excellent <laughs> there is also here a joke at Krillin's expense that I wanted to bring up briefly, if only oh, because no. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> I have to. Oh, no. I, I, I don't know if I don't think that this was in the subtitle version, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it up, because it's, it's just such an interesting, weird joke to me. Uh, but Krillin, the, I think we said something about everybody. Make sure you use the bathroom before we leave. And you see Krillin disappear. And then Krillin comes back kind of adjusting his pants. And Goku asked Krillin if he was summoning the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did catch that. I was, <sighs> I didn't know how to feel about it. There was, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, Dragon Ball has kind of like weird pervy humor sometimes. Uh, it just felt a little bit weird for Goku to say, I don't really know. See, I don't think Goku would have said that to anybody other than Krillin, who he had lived like in the woods with for a bunch of years. And that probably like as kids was their style of humor. So That's if it was anyone point. else, I wouldn't like it. But with Krillin, like I feel like the rules are a little different. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, Krillin is essentially Goku's best friend. He is Goku's best friend. He says it <laughs> when Frieza kills Krillin. OK, yeah. I know these are facts. I know these is facts. I'm an expert. <laughs> So yeah, I don't know. It, it was a little bit weird. I just, it was funny to me, but also partly because it was just kind of odd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, I mean, especially like, I guess in 
well, quote unquote, recent Dragon Ball. So Dragon Ball Z, that kind of humor wasn't really, I guess, a big part of it. Um, other often. than like specific characters, like you would expect that kind of stuff out of Master Roshi or uh, Oolong or something like that. But Goku doesn't really make those kind of remarks. No, not generally. So it was a little bit odd. I don't know. I, I was a little bit torn on how to feel about it. I just wanted to bring it up. <laughs> I mean, I my head was just like, eh, whatever. That's probably, you know, they've known each other. They've seen each other's ding dongs. They can make those jokes. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've seen Goku's ding dong many a time. <laughs> I don't think he's bashful about it. No, not whatsoever. But we basically get the whole crew getting on the hexahedron that we brought is basically travel through space box. And uh, we get to meet Manaka for the first time uh, as they kind of travel to uh, pick up Beerus on Beerus's planet. And uh, <laughs> we... Manaka's an interesting character. What did you think about him, Dayton? Oh, buddy. Um, hmm. Yeah, when they first introduced that character, I mean, I'd, it's obvious that something's up from Square One, especially yeah. when they explain uh, that his name means large, shapely nipples. <laughs> Great Pontus, which means nipples. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's some weird humor going on in this series let me tell you but yeah uh i don't know i i don't mind dragon ball being kind of lighthearted and funny but sometimes i feel like they just laid on a little too thick i think this episode is a good example of that and did you like I, when boo farted in the fish tank man i made a note about that too and i was like <laughs> Okay, sometimes I'm 12 and that can be funny, but that just felt awkward. <laughs> hey, Boo made a stinky, okay? Yeah, Majin Poo. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, they're laying it on a little thick. Some of these jokes are, they're kind of hitting you over the head with them and it's, mm, okay, can we move on? Can we get to the good stuff? Because yeah. I'm kind of getting over the jokes here. Yeah, some of them just feel, I think they're too like rapid fire and they just feel a little bit forced too. So. Yeah, well, they're also cheap jokes, right? Like a yeah. good joke should be like, oh, that's totally Piccolo. Like that's that's hilarious. Whereas these right. jokes are kind of one liners. They're zingers. And I'm not a big fan of those. Yeah, yeah, especially not in Dragon Ball. It's not really their thing most of the time. So uh, but we do get Goku basically trying to test Monaka's strength. So <laughs> yeah. uh, Beerus won't let him and Goku just hauls off and punches Manaka in the face. I actually <laughs> love that. See, this is good Dragon Ball comedy. <laughs> See, that, because that, that's Goku. Goku's like, well, this is the strongest fighter in the universe. I'm going to fight him. I'm going to do everything I can to try and fight this person. I don't care if he's on my team. That is 110% Goku, and I loved it. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what you were just describing, is that feels like a Goku comedy moment. That feels like a very in-character action for Goku to do. And everybody's going to love that. That's super funny. <laughs> yeah, because you don't want your character to feel like they're kind of out of place or saying or doing something they wouldn't normally do. Goku punching the strongest fighter in the universe in the face, 110%. That That's my guy. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, admittedly, Manaka took it like a champ. I was shocked. Yeah, I was surprised <laughs> that he was didn't blow his head off. <laughs> yes. But also, um, do you remember when Goku and Gohan were doing the staying in Super Saiyan form training? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Back in the Cell Saga. There was a scene where Krillin was sitting there with them, and he's like, all right, Goku's got to be up to something. He must be honing his senses. He must always be aware. Like, he, there must be some sort of mental training happening in the background. And so he picks up a rock and just decks Goku in the face with it. And Goku's like, well, what are you doing, you jerk? He's like, I, I don't know. I thought you were, like, prepared for it. <laughs> it reminds me of that a lot. And so I respect it. That's a really good callback. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up because we talked about the moment with just going back a little bit, the moment with Sorbet shooting Goku mm-hmm. and the fact that they're really we I, I think even we were talking about or a lot of the fan base talks about there's no precedent for that in the past of like somebody being their guard being down and getting hurt like that. Oh, but yeah. that that rock scene's a perfect example of that back in the Cell Saga and Dragon Ball Z. So I, I think little... it's a thing. I think I, I do think people having their guard up is important. I think it matters a lot. And I think it's not that, you know, I've gained all this power level and therefore I'm invincible. It's like, no, the, my power level is a reflection of how well I can focus and fight and where I can focus my energy. And it's more of a reflection of what you can do versus what you always are. Right. Has to be more active than just passive. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, moving on to, we actually arrive in the tournament arena here that uh, Vados has put together. It gets some renovations by Whis here. We get a scene with the Kais of both universes showing up. I love and, this scene, by the way. Oh, I'd like to hear more about that. So one of the things that I thought was interesting was Supreme Kai and Kabito actually split here. And they even give us an explanation for how they did it using the Dragon Balls, which... Again, using mm. the Dragon Balls one more time in here. <laughs> How many wishes? Because they use the Namekian Dragon Balls to do that. How many wishes can you make off the Namekian Dragon Balls? Usually three. So, okay. Yeah. How many dead King Kais are there still? <laughs> <laughs> Just asking for a friend. Yeah. Actually, that's <laughs> funny because I think that the Goku, uh, we kind of skipped over it, but Goku thinks about that earlier when they summoned Shenron and he kind of forgot to resurrect King Kai. I think we're in the ballpark of five times the dragon was summoned and King Kai didn't get resurrected. It's probably pretty close at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I feel so bad for him. Oh, yeah. Did you have anything more about the the Kai scene that you said that you liked? So, okay. Um, I think I might be getting ahead of myself with the Kai scenes, but there's... A lot of, uh, I guess, commentary between the Kais that happen that kind of show the different relationships between, I guess, our universes or Universe 7's Kais and Universe's 6 Kais and their mortals and fighters. It's I love the dynamic that they have. No, I agree. And I, I think that's this is the perfect time to talk about it because I had a note about that as well where the Universe 6 Kai mentions that it's strange that Goku is so friendly with the Universe 7 Kais and again, this is, I mean, this is just reinforcing what we already know about Goku, right? Where Goku changes the people around him. He's very jovial. He's very, even though people say that he's not polite or that he's, you know, doesn't know how to talk to people. He's good at getting in their good graces and making them feel comfortable. Yeah. And it's, you know, you see Goku actually walk over to the other universe's Kais and just kind of greet them casually, which almost kind of catches them off guard. But they're, you know, they're cordial about it. But when the Supreme Kai and Goku and they start talking, even the Kais ask, you know, or 
are you guys actually friends? Do you know each other? And Supreme Kai mentions like, yeah, we've been through a lot together. Like it's kind of reinforced that friendship between them. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that a lot too, which is also kind of funny considering, I mean, really the, the first time that we see the Kai's is in the Boo saga, but I mean, I guess you would absolutely call the fight with Boo going through a lot because that was intense. Yeah, they. I mean, they work together to save the universe at that point. I think, yeah, I, we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So this is actually, too, we move on and get the first scene of our Universe 6 fighters being revealed. We get a kind of couple of little snippets of their faces here and there, and then they actually show us each of them in turn. Yeah, we and... get a quick flash through of everybody. Um, we don't really know a ton about them. But one of the fighters actually approaches the group, recognizing Goku and Vegeta as Saiyans, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And, you know, maybe so this is Kaba. This is our Universe 6 Saiyan. And is it Kaba or Kaba? Uh, it could be either. I think the English pronunciation is actually Kaba, isn't it? OK, um, I, I get confused sometimes because uh I, I don't know. I get confused. Also, it's supposed to be cabbage, right? Like, that's the reference? Exactly, yeah. That is that is the vegetable reference okay. here. <laughs> There's always got to um, be one. <laughs> I love it. And he actually reveals uh, the origin of his, or at least the planet that he comes from, which is Planet Sadala, which I think Vegeta expresses that Planet Sadala was originally... Uh, I can't quite remember if it was either destroyed or if it was just like uninhabitable, but they more or less had to move off of planet Sadala to another planet that they ransacked and created or renamed as planet Vegeta at that point. Yeah, it was more or less like the Saiyans ancient homeworld that they hadn't lived on in generations. And in the other universe, nothing bad happened to it. And they more or less developed into kind of a pro justice defenders of peace. Very good people, still warriors, but kind of defenders of the universe in, uh, I guess, Universe's six storyline. Whereas in Universe 7, they were kind of pillaging barbarians like under the thumb of Frieza, kind of not so much peaceful warriors. Right. Yeah. There's kind of a fun back and forth. Uh, well, actually, I think that's in the next episode. So we basically get them. Our fighters at this point, after they have a little talk, are going to start the written test. And we get to see, you know, Goku struggling through it, a couple of the Universe 6 guys struggling through it. And then Boo falls asleep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the test was boring. He fell asleep and everyone agrees that he can't be woken up once he falls asleep. And we <sighs> get to the eventual disqualification of Boo because he did not complete his entry exam. Yeah, which I think both of us are kind of bummed about this. I know you like watching Boo fight, and I'm bummed about this because even if they didn't have Boo, I would have loved to have watched Gohan fight. I mean, anything that makes this not just the Goku and Vegeta show. Yeah, and why even bring him along if he's not going to do anything? It feels like this really prolonged joke that wasn't really that funny. So if anything, no. I'm I'm a little annoyed because, I mean, shoot. Throw Krillin in there and have him try and think yeah. through a fight or something. There's plenty of other people that could have jumped in and done something. Absolutely. I would have loved to watch Krillin or Gohan, really any of the Z fighters. I would have loved to watch them fight rather than just 
Goku and Vegeta as much Bro, as they're fun to watch. There. Oh, 18 would be great. I'd love to see her do more. Yeah, it's I don't know. There was this golden opportunity to get more people involved and they just kind of wrote it off. And now we're back to the I guess the, the only two people that matter. Yeah, yeah, because Piccolo doesn't get to do a whole lot, as we'll see here shortly. <laughs> yeah, uh, which man, I love Piccolo. Give him some justice. Come on. I completely agree. But that more or less brings us to the end of that episode. Did you have any other thoughts on that one? Um, other than the penguin with the bow tie singing the national or the universal <laughs> anthem. Um, no, I think that pretty much wraps it up. That's um, weird. I totally skipped that. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Hmm. I don't mind this episode just because it's kind of the transition to the new battleground. We met the new fighters. We get a little bit of comedy, whether you like it or not. And right. It was all right. It's a nice middling episode. It gets me to where I want to go. It's way better than the double recap episode that we just had before this one. So, I mean, it yeah. moves the story along. It does what it needs to do. It feels more or less necessary outside of the boo falling asleep thing, which was my big pet peeve, but it's an all right episode. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I guess actually the very tail end shows us uh, Goku getting into the ring with this big Winnie the Pooh looking character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Goku's fighting first. He's fighting Winnie the Pooh. And we're going to, dive into that on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z. That's right. And that's going to move us on to episode 33. All right. Episode 33. I'm finding it. <laughs> All right. Episode 33. Be surprised. Universe six. This is Super Saiyan Son Goku. And I guess as the previous episode said, it's going to be Goku fighting Winnie the Pooh. And Winnie the Pooh <laughs> likes to bounce around and likes throwing his body and weight into things. And that's going to be his fighting style as Goku quickly finds out. And I'm not going to lie, we're probably going to call this guy Winnie the Pooh most of the time. But I do have to just say, this character's actual name is Botamo. Winnie the but Pooh. let's be yep. real. <laughs> yeah, let's be real. He's Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Winnie so, the Pooh on steroids. Oh yeah, this Winnie the Pooh is Jack. <laughs> So he's big, he's bear-like, he's got a red shirt. Um, <laughs> it's pretty Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we find out pretty quickly that this guy has a lot of weight to throw around, and everyone's pretty much making fun of Goku right at the start of the match when Goku gets hit with a couple belly slams and his punches aren't doing anything, and everyone's just kind of talking about how weak Goku is and how, what a buffoon he is and how this match is going to be over soon. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there's some gags here as Goku's getting kind of beat up in his base form where Goku is saying that he ate too much and his stomach hasn't settled. And so then Botamo or Winnie the Pooh starts firing off blasts where Goku gets to run and dodge the blast. And he says, oh, yeah, my food is settled or dislodged or whatever, so I can fight now, which I don't know. Again, it's more kind of comedy goofy antics i wasn't a huge fan of that honestly no i wasn't either i actually just didn't even take notes about it because i thought it was so irrelevant or yeah. out of place or something like that i don't know and i guess this is kind of i have the problem with a lot there's too much sandbagging from goku yeah. sometimes where it's I know this fight isn't interesting because Goku is still in base form and he's just kind of dorking around and blah, blah, blah. But this went to the whole new level of he's not even really trying and just 
I don't know what to think about it. I, it's kind of an uninteresting, boring fight, and there are some really bad jokes, and it's. And normally, I'm I'm into this show for the fighting, and so when the fighting starts suffering, then you know there's a real problem. Even to add to that, and I feel bad bringing this up every time, but the fight sequences, the animation for this fight so bad (laughs) (laughs) there's like a running sequence where goku's dodging the blast and it looks so robotic and uh, it's real bad is this the same one where he starts like barrel rolling across the ground and it's the same like four frames over and over again yeah it's pretty pretty awful unfortunately yeah uh yeah this is the the jokes aren't good the fighting's not really good the I guess the character he's fighting is really not the most interesting character. It's um, he can't be punched, I think, is the thing or. Yeah, supposedly Jocko says that uh, his Winnie the Pooh's body sends or disperses the force to another dimension or something like that. Yeah, Um, that's kind of his gimmick. And Goku more or less overcomes it by knocking Winnie the Pooh over, dragging him to the edge of the ring and judo tossing him out and uh that ends that fight and i don't have a whole lot more to say about it (laughs) yeah it's not a very interesting fight it's not hard for goku the jokes are bad the animation's not very good Mm, that's the whole fight yeah go back (laughs) to your thousand acre wood winnie the pooh yeah so uh winnie the pooh gets thrown out of the ring and champa starts throwing a temper tantrum Yep, yep. Uh, Champa's not pleased. He thinks the ring out is bogus, but uh, we basically move on to Frost against Goku. And Frost is our Frieza equivalent in Universe 6 here. Yeah, they're the same. I don't know what race that is, but we'll just call it Frieza race. Um, so you, you see a lot of similarities between Frieza and Frost as far as appearances, but when it comes to actual demeanor, they are polar opposites at least right now where frost is very polite and is giving a big shout out to the fans and thanking everyone for being there and talking about how they're gonna be friends afterwards frost seems like a pretty nice guy right now yeah yeah he's making a big show of it and uh he really wins over the the z fighters and the family who are watching and uh we basically start things off with frost in what we assume to be his first form it looks very much like frieza's first form and, yeah, uh, and everyone having seen Frieza and fought Frieza, they start calling Frost out on sandbagging. Show us your yep. real power. Show us your final form. Stop messing around. And after looking around and seeing everyone calling him out, Frost decides, all right, well, I can't control my power all the way in this form, so I hope I don't kill you. And we see the big, nasty power up, or so we think. Yeah, yeah, this is interesting because he goes into his long-headed alien form. I think he even he has a a name for it. It's like charger form or something. Oh yeah, the announcer does a like a Google search on it with his antenna thing. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of interesting. We get a little more details through exposition from the announcer about Frost. Um, but to us, this looks like Frieza's third form, not his final form. But Frost is claiming this to be his final form. Mm, yes, and just like every other villain, of course this is his final form. <laughs> of course. But uh, it kind of moves forward. They fight a little bit more. And I think 
Goku more or less calls him out again. He, Goku goes Super Saiyan and is like, give me your final form. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's at this point, all the cards are on the table. And I think Frost is ready to ready to go ahead and actually show his real power. Nothing we've ever seen before, right? Uh, <laughs> right. And uh, so he, he does transform into his final form. It does have a very similar feel to Frieza's final form. It's the small kind of sleek design. Yeah, the dense form is what I'll call it. Yeah, yeah. Dense. A lot of power in a small package. There you go. And Goku in his regular Super Saiyan form pummels Frost, just not even a competition. And uh, Frost eventually gets a punch in on Goku's arm that staggers Goku. Goku's vision starts to blur, and then Frost kicks him clean out of the ring. Yeah. <clears throat> Goku's more or less kind of unconscious and thrown to the ground, and I think that's uh where that episode ends. Wow, what a cliffhanger, right? Yeah, I, I think uh and this is this is actually interesting, honestly, especially when I watched this the first time around. I was like, what the what happened? Um, and so it's a, it's a pretty good cliffhanger. I'll actually give him that on this episode. And after rewatching it and paying more attention, um, there are a few different animation scenes where they allude to what's going to happen. So I really did like that. This wasn't something that was pulled out of nowhere that you couldn't have figured out. It was there. You just didn't think to look for it because Dragon Ball doesn't usually work this way. Yeah, that's a good point. It's very subtle, but it's, they do give you some key visual clues if you know what's going to happen. Yep. So, so I thought that was at least well written that part. Yeah, I agree. Uh I I think kind of talking about the episode as a whole, I don't think either of us liked the Winnie Pooh fight, Winnie the Pooh fight. Uh I think that was kind of kind of a weak one. Uh not very interesting. Uh Frost here though, even though some of the fight animation and choreography was kind of mediocre. I like what they're doing with Frost, and I like the cliffhanger that we're left with. It's at least kind of interesting to follow, even if it's not the most visually stimulating thing or the most, I guess, entertaining villain. But it did give you something to, I guess, chew on and think about at the end of the episode. Yeah, that's true. And do you do you happen to remember when you watched this the first time through? Did you think that Frost was full of shit? Yes, just because it's a it's a Frieza. I yeah. absolutely believe like I don't trust that guy. I don't care. Like no matter what, like Frost could have been like, here are all the, you know, orphan children I've saved and been like, you didn't save them. Uh-uh. There's no way. I don't believe you. I never <laughs> trust a Frieza. Yeah. I can't really argue with you there. I mean the the only thing that kind of honestly, they do a good job of showing us Kaba beforehand because Kaba is a contrast to the Saiyans in universe seven. So by showing us Kaba first, that actually kind of like lines us up to believe that Frost is actually different than our universe seven Frieza, which I, I like that. I like that detail. Okay. I can see it kind of like how our Saiyans are jacked and huge and their Saiyans have little string bean arms and are weak. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan <laughs> of how they animate them. It could have been better. <laughs> yeah. Just my opinion. No, I agree with you there. But uh, did you have anything else on that episode? Not really. And as far as that episode goes, I don't, for me, there wasn't a ton to talk about. 
not not really a ton to have opinions about just because it was the big Winnie the Pooh fight, which I thought was overall underwhelming. And then the fight with Frost, which when I the first time I saw this, I assumed that it was just kind of a an artificial cliffhanger. I assumed that it was just something to just have tension at the end of the episode. Yeah, that's fair. And we'll we'll see that in a way it is. Um, Yeah, it's a roundabout way. But yeah, you're you're right. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's initially when I watched this, I was definitely shocked and definitely interested to see the next episode and see what happened. So which the next episode is episode 34 Piccolo versus Frost. Bet everything on the oh, God, Makanko Sapo. Did I do it right. It. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, all right, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad uh, I said it slow. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so Makankoso Po, Makanka, I can't say it. <laughs> See, yeah, <laughs> but, you gotta have it written down. Yeah, but that's our our special beam cannon. That's the the Japanese name for it, and we get a lot of tongue twister jokes about that in Dragon Ball Z Abridged, which I absolutely it's love. fantastic. <laughs> it is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so anyway, moving into episode thirty four, we come back from our cliffhanger here, and I think everybody's you know shocked that. Uh, Goku was beat. I think we even get a scene with Chi Chi showing concern for Goku. She's like, you know, what the what happened? She jumps down and uh, goes to his aid, and Goku gets right back up. He seems fine, but he's confused. He's like, oh, I, I guess I lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how wouldn't you be disoriented after that? You're you're in the middle of a match. The lights go out, and then you wake up and you lost. Yeah, I would feel a little weird about that. I'm surprised Goku didn't question it more. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because Goku's he's not angry. He's just like, oh, well, good job. <laughs> I would feel so cheated if I were Goku because I would want a fair fight. Like even Goku as a kid, when uh, Chaosu flew up into the air, he was like, that's cheating because I can't get to you. That's BS. And I feel like Goku would have done something like that. I just it bothers me. Right. At the very least, I feel like Goku would have wanted to know what happened. Yeah. Like, there should have been, like, maybe I don't imagine Goku being mad, but maybe Goku being frustrated or really trying to get to the bottom of it, because just by accepting that loss, that doesn't make him a stronger fighter. And that is Goku's number one motive, period. He wants to become a better fighter and just, you know, be like, oh, well, you beat me. What? No, Goku be like, how did you beat me? What did you do? I need to know more. Yeah, I think at the very least, I would have liked to have seen Goku ask, hey, you know, what technique did you use or what did you do? I think he does ask something kind of to that effect. And he Frost doesn't press kind of, it, though. He doesn't right. press it at all. It just. uh Yeah. Frost just kind of brushes it off and says, you know, I think I got lucky. I got a little desperate. Um, so it, it, it seems a little odd, but. I mean, I do believe Bulma because Bulma said Goku lost because Krillin wasn't cheering hard enough. And that is an absolute fact. (laughs) Way to go, Krillin. Always Krillin's fault. (laughs) Ruins everything. That guy, let me tell you. That's right. But Frost continues to play the good guy here. He, you know, raises Goku's hand in the air and all of our Z fighters were kind of cheering for Frost uh, prior to this. So it was a little bit of a weird exchange. Yeah, I... I don't know. The, sometimes the jokes are, I feel like, misplaced. I, But Frost is such a good guy. It's like, well, these are your, this, that's your husband or your best friend or whatever out there. I, just please stop. The jokes are too on the nose. Just 
tune it down a little bit, please. Yeah, yeah, they're they're definitely heavy handed here, which is. Uh, yeah, I liked I liked the Goku joke. I liked him punching Manaka in the face, but some of the other ones have just been a little bit off. Yeah, and I guess with Goku finally officially knocked out, uh, Piccolo is going to be our next fighter to enter the ring, and he's going to fight Frost now. Yeah, and Goku kind of tells Piccolo that he doesn't have a chance. So we're going into this assuming that Frost is just stronger than Piccolo and is going to win more or less. Which is weird because I feel like if you watch that match, you wouldn't get like Frost is strong. You would think that Frost has a trick or something would be my walk away. Yeah, I agree. We we kind of talked uh, before the podcast about the fact that it feels like Piccolo should kind of be on par with Frost if Frost is, you know, on par with what we know to be fourth form Frieza, like Frieza Saga Frieza. Um, so it or feels a little bit odd. Super Saiyan, well, Super Saiyan form Goku, just Super Saiyan 1, was stronger than Frost. And it seemed like by a considerable amount. By a lot, yeah. So why wouldn't Piccolo be at least as strong as a weakened Frost at this point? Right, yeah. Yeah, Frost got the crap beat out of him for at least a few minutes there, too. So it seems a little strange, but that's what we got. So <laughs> Yeah, it's. I mean, this is going to be one of those things where we're going to bring up the power level weird disparity that's in because Dragon Ball Super is probably as far as shows go or as far as series go it is the worst I guess grasp on power level that I've seen in Dragon Ball it's all over the place and this is another I guess glaring example of that just be glad you haven't watched all of GT yet <laughs> mm, I mean I watched bad. the I watched the beginning and the end well that's that's all you need <laughs> I fell asleep through a lot of the middle parts but I honestly I didn't miss anything <laughs> you're not really wrong <laughs> no no no. i fell asleep and woke up and they had all the dragon balls and then the actual story started it was great <laughs> you skipped the parts that didn't matter <laughs> <laughs> but we basically get piccolo starting his fight with frost i think uh piccolo starts off real early with his mock manka i can't say special it beam cannon <laughs> special beam cannon <laughs> um and one little note, at the start of the fight, Jocko actually flies over to where Vegeta is sitting because he wants to get a better look at the fight. And that's going to be really important here in the near future. That is a good point. I, I think we even see like Vegeta being confused as to how Goku lost, and we see Jocko at least paying close attention I, I, during both fights uh, and kind of being confused. And something that uh they've brought up multiple times with Jocko is that he has basically one superpower and that's his eyes don't miss anything. And yep. it's actually, I do have uh, a little appreciation for Jocko because he actually does something that's interesting. Most of the storylines and arcs and I guess his introduction, I don't care about because they weren't very good most of the time, <laughs> at yeah. least to me. Um, but at least at this point, it seems like he's actually starting to integrate into the Z fighters in the story and actually have something to offer. Yeah, yeah, and that's a good point, especially because sometimes the weaker fighters don't have anything to offer outside of exposition during a fight. So yeah, you gotta have some good exposition though, and maybe a good uh <laughs> I don't know, fart joke here or there. Hey man, gotta keep it lively. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we we get Piccolo starting by charging his special beam cannon. And he's kind of dodging around. Uh, it's it's an interesting contrast to his 
special beam cannon during the Raditz fight where he was completely stationary, more like uh, Goku charging the spirit bomb. Uh, here, Piccolo's dancing around. He's dodging. He's even shooting out other attacks. He shoots out uh, Key Blast from his antenna. And so it's a pretty active and engaged fight with Frost shooting like little uh, death beams at Piccolo for a while. And Frost and... is doing his best to try and disrupt Piccolo because right at the beginning, yep. Frost picks up that, all right, you're trying to charge this massive attack and it's going to take time. I'm going to interrupt it. I'm going to shoot key blast at you. I'm going to try and punch you. I'm going to do anything I can to make sure that that's disrupted. You're not going to get that attack off. Absolutely. And they're really trying to push home the fact that Piccolo is a strategist or he's, a, he's just a smart fighter here. Uh, but eventually Piccolo gets shot with one of the death beams in the leg and it makes it much more difficult for him to dodge around. And uh, Frost gets in a a hit against Piccolo. And what he thinks is going to be knocking the, uh, the energy away that Piccolo is charging with his special beam cannon. But Piccolo ends up, I guess, at least holding on to part of it, maybe or at least continues to charge it afterwards when he grabs Frost with his stretchy arm, which I love seeing the stretchy arm. It's always fun. Oh, yeah. Gives him the old stretch Armstrong, wraps him up, and then he reveals that he was planning on getting hit the whole time so that way Frost would drop his guard. And now with the stretchy arm around him, he can charge up his attack and finish off Frost in one foul swoop. Right. And this is pretty cool. Uh, I think that we maybe have slightly differing opinions here or even mixed opinions about the, the fight and the tactics here, but Frost then pulls a, the needle from his arm and stabs Piccolo, or this is what we're finding out here at the end. Uh, he basically poisons Piccolo. Piccolo's vision goes blurry like it did with Goku. And, uh, Frost is easily able to dodge his attack and knock Piccolo out of the ring. Or actually, I'm sorry, he blows a hole through Piccolo. Yeah, which, you know, it's always Piccolo who gets a hole blown into him or an arm ripped off. But yeah, Frost pretty much all but kills Piccolo. It's probably pretty close. But yeah, Piccolo drops to the ground. He's unconscious. And at this point, Frost is once again declared the winner. But Jocko decides to stand up and chime in with his objection and claims that Frost is using an illegal weapon. Right, and I I kind of uh, jumped ahead here a little bit, but basically our referee checks Frost and finds this poison needle on his wrist. And uh, he, he more or less is getting disqualified here for using a weapon because that's not, it's, it's against the rules for the world tournament or at least this universe tournament now. So was that was that needle? Was it something that Frost was like adding to his body or was that a natural part of Frost's body? Frost tries to claim that it's a natural part of his body. And it's, it's kind of hard to tell because like visually it looks like it could easily be part of his body. Uh, but Frost is also, as we find out, you know, a liar and a cheater. And that's true. Because I had some questions about that when later on there's a ruling revolving around lava that is apparently cool. So, (laughs) right. I think the if we assume that the needle is a part of Frost's body, 
The problem here is the fact that the poison that Frost used on the needle is not it's not organic it's, or at least it's not a, a part of his biology if nothing oh, else oh okay that's where i was getting a little confused i was wondering where the needle was like is this just maybe a slight difference between you know the universe's freezer race or something like that i wasn't really sure it was really unclear to me yeah they and they don't really clear it up uh but i mean the way that i would kind of justify that in my mind is the fact that he was using the poison which is not part of his biology and that's kind of why he got disqualified if nothing else i mean that would make sense but they also i don't think they really explained whether the poison was a part of his biology or not they're just like well poison's against the rules you're out like well if it's a natural poison yeah that's fair i i kind of made that assumption because they disqualified him because of the poison so i just assumed it was not a part of his body we just need some good drama and that's why you're disqualified get out of here get out of here but this uh flips the good guy frost on its head we find out that he's a bad guy and well I... as they're making the call there was a comment that made me laugh where if jocko is wrong about frost using poison champa says i'm going to destroy you for wasting my time yeah and i don't know why but it just it made me laugh because Beerus goes, yeah, I guess it is just Jocko. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny too. And uh, I think even Vegeta says something to the same oh, yeah. effect. <laughs> it's, it's Beerus goes, if Tabit destroys you, it's no skin off of my back. And Vegeta goes, yeah, I guess it is just Jocko. Yeah. <laughs> just everybody's <laughs> ripping on him. <laughs> it's I his own team. <laughs> see that's the comedy that i want to see that to me was funny <laughs> uh, i just i cracked up i thought it was so funny yeah and so we we basically get them trying to disqualify frost and give piccolo his fight back or you know piccolo gets to move on and frost is disqualified um but vegeta steps up and tells piccolo that he's going to forfeit so that vegeta can fight frost which I thought this was super interesting. What did you think about this, Dayton? I thought it was interesting. The thing that peeved me the most about it is that Piccolo gets cheated out of a fight. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, it's like, oh, well, Frost cheated, so you're back in. And then Vegeta makes him surrender anyway. And now, yeah. like, I mean, I don't know. There's no, I get that Frost looks like a Frieza, but there is no actual... I guess, connection between Frost and Vegeta. So him stepping in to beat up a Frieza lookalike doesn't really do anything for me. So the, I guess, Vegeta beating up Frost does not outweigh my love for Piccolo and wanting to see him fight more. I can't really argue with you there. I mean, I am also a Vegeta fanboy, so I was excited to see this moment, partly because I was curious to see if Piccolo would even stand down uh, with Vegeta asking him to do so, and Piccolo does. And then also, I I get your point about there being really no connection between Frost and Vegeta. However, in the back of my mind, I'm also thinking, man, Vegeta just got blue-balled for killing Frieza when Goku stole his kill. <laughs> and Vegeta really wants to get that kill off on Frost. <laughs> Man, he's been rocked for like a year now, and he just he needs to just do it somewhere. <laughs> so I, I could, you know, I, I don't know. I kind of justified that in my mind that way. But I was just thinking about <laughs> what what's going through Vegeta's mind right now. <laughs> I mean, like, 
they could have just been like, we'll have a grudge match or whatever. And if you beat me, then you can stay in the tournament or something. There were so many better ways they could have done it. But the fact that Piccolo didn't even really get a full fight in this tournament and he's out of it already. Oh, come on. I know. And I again, I even as much as I love Vegeta, I wanted to see more characters fight in this. Not only Piccolo, but like we said earlier, somebody else like Boo, Gohan, Krillin, 18, somebody. Manaka. Uh, just to. <laughs> we'll get to see that don't worry <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're building up to it that's right <laughs> but that more or less uh wraps up this episode and moves us into the next one did you want to give us episode 35 of course turn anger into power vegeta's all-out battle and this i think it's uh i mean it's an entertaining episode it's I guess the closest thing to fan service we're going to get during this tournament. So I guess appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And we basically start off with this grudge match between Vegeta and Frost. I mean, Frost kind of giving up the ghost and just being full bad guy at this point saying like he wants to remove the rules for him to use his weapon. He wants to remove the rules about killing people. And Everything's on the table. It's you're getting my full ruthlessness and I'm not holding back. Exactly. And Frost thinks that he's in the advantageous position here now because he can do whatever he wants. And Vegeta's like, yeah, fucking bring it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's see here. The match begins. And uh, do you want to go ahead and just break down the entire match for me real quick? <laughs> yeah, it basically goes. <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> basically a big monologue from frost leading up to it and into the very start of the match about how he's going to just wipe the floor with vegeta everything's on the table you're in his realm now and then vegeta just whack one just hell of a punch <laughs> to frost and frost is i think blasted into the the dome of the ring and is immediately out of the match yeah, he. I think he shatters a, or breaks a hole in the dome. Uh, Vegeta powers up to Super Saiyan to do it, but doesn't go beyond that. And <laughs> Vegeta actually expresses that he held back enough to make sure that he didn't kill the guy. Oh, what which, a nice uh, guy. Yeah, he's so thoughtful. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that actually took up uh, the better part of the first half of the episode. I think we... We basically get, so we get Frost knocked out. Vegeta's in now. We get uh, Beerus kind of checking over Goku's yeah, body. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of quick little bullet points that they kind of buzz through at the end of the episode. There's not a lot of substance, but there are some important points. So yeah. we get, I guess the couple important points are they find the needle marks on Goku and he's allowed back into the tournament because he was illegally knocked out. So Goku's back on the menu, boys. That's right. And they kind of start to create a, a new additional barrier here for the next fight. Uh, we also get a quick little scene that I wanted to bring up briefly of Frost going to steal the treasure that Champa had promised his universe's fighters, as well as going to steal the Champa's hexahedron, his little square that flies him around the galaxy. And Frost here is stopped by who we know to be Hit, the kind of black-clad, purple alien fighter on Universe 6's team. And 
Uh, Frost more or less just beats up, or I'm sorry, hit beats Frost uh, without us really even seeing what happens. We get like these pillars of light coming out of Frost's body. But I thought even... Frost was dead. I thought the Frost was dead because it's just lights coming out of the head and everywhere and then just like goes limp. Yeah, yeah. It looks like he just got, you know, murdered. Um, one thing, one other thing that I wanted to note because I'm a huge critical role nerd is the fact that the English voice dub for Hit here is done by Matthew Mercer, who is one of my favorite voice actors as well as the dungeon master for Critical Role. And he oh, does that's an really cool. Job. That's really yeah. cool. I was super excited to, when I found that out. So I'm just I'm stoked to get more hit here with Matt Mercer voicing <laughs> it. And I mean, we haven't really we're not we're not getting to hit for a minute, but oh man, I love that character. So what a cool character to voice too. Yeah, absolutely. So we get a little taste of hit here and we'll we'll get more of him later, but we the... also get a brief scene with Manaka where it's revealed that uh he's been unconscious for almost <laughs> the entire tournament. <laughs> See, this is more good comedy. This is the stuff that I like. Um I think it actually shows oh no, it, it's a little bit later, but yeah, it, it shows him basically just like deadpan stare at the tournament ring and just not moving whatsoever. <laughs> uh, like, look at him. He's so intense. <laughs> yeah, so focused. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I, I freaking love it. Yeah, that is excellent. And I think that that ends up taking us into the start of the fight with Vegeta and our metal man from Universe 6, Magetta. Yeah, and uh, Champa's up to some, I guess, shenanigans because right before the match is about to begin, they start erecting a, I guess, a barrier that's quite small right around the ring for the quote-unquote protection of all the bystanders. Yeah, and they even make a rule where if any of the contestants, the, the fighters, if they touch the barrier, that's considered out of bounds, out of the arena. So they, they lose if they touch that barrier. And Beerus smells the fishiness, but also Vegeta doesn't care. He's a little too prideful to, you know, I guess, back down from any cheap tricks or anything else because he's just too darn powerful. Yeah, yeah. Vegeta is like, whatever, bring it. And so we we get the start of this where we kind of get the impression as the fight begins that this metal man is he's hardy. Uh, Vegeta starts to think that he's slow and just powerful and just kind of dodging around. Uh, but Magetta ends up surprising him a little bit and shows that he, he can be fast. And I think Vegeta ends up taken to the sky, uh, but he's only got limited space to move. And then Magetta starts firing lava out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's lava. Um, and right before the match had started, Magetta was drinking like lava drinks and stuff like that and started, yeah. I guess, building up steam for this match. And we really start seeing it uh, coming to fruition because as lava is being vomited everywhere and energy blasts are going off and Vegeta's getting worked up. Uh, Whis points out that uh, this match is probably not going the direction that Vegeta was thinking it would go. That's true. I think the kind of towards the end of the episode, Vegeta ends up having to go Super Saiyan to just blast a lot of the smoke out of his area. And it kind of leaves us there as we move towards the next episode for the uh, the continuation of the fight. Did you have anything else to talk about with that one before we move on? 
Uh, I mean, it was, I guess my overall feelings in the episode is that it was overall, I think, a, a pretty decent episode. Um, Like I said, I don't like the cost of getting the fight between Frost and Vegeta, but yeah. I mean, you know, that punch was freaking amazing. I could feel it and love it. So I liked it. Um, And then I guess the beginning of the match between uh, Vegeta and this robot. I'm hooked in. What uh, what trickery is going to happen here? Like, it's a good episode. It's kind of a bridge fight episode, I guess, is the way I'd call it. Yeah, and you can tell, at least here, uh, maybe not in the first couple of arcs, but Super is trying not to drag the fights out. These fights are fast. Uh, there, it's usually maybe one episode, maybe carries in over from one episode to another episode. But that's it. We're not getting like, you know, Namek Saga levels of dragged out fights, which I I like. Um, I wish that the fights were a little bit more quality, but I like that they're making them a little bit more condensed and concise. Yeah, they're they're good. Um, I'm not getting bored with the fights, at least. None of these fights have been like, oh, my God, hurry up or anything like that. It's like usually it's a pretty quick fight and either I like it or I don't. And then I'm on to the next one. So there hasn't been yeah. anything I've hated so far. It's just, you know like or dislike which is i think overall a good thing yeah i agree so let's go ahead and move on to the next episode and continue that fight with episode 36 an unexpectedly tough fight vegeta's explosion of rage all right and so. uh it starts off with a sweaty hot vegeta just gasping mm. for air <laughs> i do love me some sweaty hot vegeta <laughs> yeah so. they're really emphasizing that this this hot box that they're in is getting really hot and the air is getting very, very thin and Vegeta's kind of being pushed up against the ropes in this match. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, and it's again, Vegeta's still kind of sandbagging it, but I, I think we get the impression that both Goku and Vegeta have, are trying to reserve their energy in case or conserve their energy in case they uh, have somebody stronger that they have to go up against. So Vegeta and just his regular old super Saiyan, I think he fires out a, a Gallic gun and Magetta counters it with his lava flow, which ends up turning to rock. And I actually thought this was kind of funny where Magetta grabs the rock or the lava that he shot out, turns it into a club and bashes Vegeta to the ground. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I love I love tough opponents. I also love creative different opponents. And this was Mind you, not the most evil, awesome villain I've seen, but definitely an entertaining opponent in a martial arts match. So I was having fun with this one. Right. I this honestly, this feels a little bit like a hearkening back to original Dragon Ball tournaments where you've got fighters that have kind of unique, interesting quirks that make them an engaging fight to watch rather than just being who's stronger. Yeah, typically most of Goku's villains are more, I guess, creative than he is. That's <laughs> definitely true. <laughs> um, but let's see, we get the the Gallic gun. Um, I think actually as Vegeta gets bashed downward with the club, we have kind of this little mid-episode cliffhanger where it mm. looks like Vegeta mm. is touched down outside of the ring mm. and is knocked out. Yeah, really looks like it, doesn't it? <laughs> really looks like he touched outside the ring, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I'm guessing you didn't care for this part, huh? <laughs> oh, buddy. So, uh, Vegeta trying to resist hitting the ground more or less fails. And the ref runs over to see a toe on the ground, but he looks closely and a piece of the ring was on the ground under his toe where he had touched. So he's <laughs> technically still in the ring. What the fuck? I don't agree with that call at all. You are definitely outside the ring. The ring marks an area that you are fighting within, not just anywhere the ring goes is inbounds. It's not. A, no. Yeah, it's I agree with you that it is. It's a pretty weird ruling. It seems like a little bit of a way to contrive this. Again, a, a kind of an artificial cliffhanger for this one, and it makes you feel like there's some danger of Vegeta losing, even though he hasn't gone Super Saiyan blue, like hasn't gone all out. Um, so it's I don't know. I, I'm kind of torn on it. I agree. The call feels really strange. That is that illegal, illegal. That no, just bad call. Come on. If he's going to stay in the game to say like, oh, no, he's actually a millimeter above the ground. He's technically still in. Just do that. You've done it before. Do it again. I don't care. Yeah, I could even go with that. That would be that would make more sense. But uh, this is this is actually one of the moments where Champa is angry, where I'm like, yeah, he fucking should be angry. <laughs> yeah, like that was a bad call. Bad call, ref. The refs are rigged. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, this this actually makes Vegeta pretty pretty ticked off, and I think Vegeta's angry here because he felt like he could have lost. He could have lost on a technicality, and really ended up staying in the fight because of a technicality. So he charges up to break this uh, barrier that's in the around the ring, and this is actually the part that I was almost jumping ahead to where we get a little shot of Monaka yes. just sitting on the couch and this glass is all surrounding him and he just no sells it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, he didn't even blink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so and, good. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. You see like hit catching the glass and you see a couple other people like blocking it and stuff. And Monaka's Goku very there. poorly animated, dodging it. Whew, that was rough. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so we've got no more barrier at this point. Vegeta charges up for his final flash, which I love seeing the final flash. This final flash is not the best animated, unfortunately. No, it's a really this blast could have been in line with any other blast you've seen in any other episode. It was a very average blast, especially because it's his signature move. There should have been a little bit more gusto to it. But I mean, it gets the job done. It knocks the robot back to the edge of the ring. And then it's just enough for Vegeta to run up and say some mean words and then knock the robot out of the ring and finally win the match. Right. And Whis basically reveals that the metal men of Magetta's race, they are very sensitive, very emotionally sensitive. And the best way to defeat them is to Say something mean to them. <laughs> yep, hard on the outside, soft on the inside. Those metal boys. That's right. And that, I, I don't know. I was, I was fine with that. I thought it was kind of again funny, little quirky characters, um, harkening back to the original Dragon Ball. Yeah, I was fine with it too. It's, I mean, it's typical Dragon Ball, and it's also Vegeta not taking the fight seriously either, which is, I would think that's the most bothersome part about all of this is. Why wouldn't Vegeta, if it takes three seconds in blue to knock this guy out, just do that? 
there's no way that takes more energy than fighting like a, a 10 minute match against a guy in your super saiyan form yeah i can't really argue with you there i can almost certainly see goku doing stuff like that where goku's going to sandbag it because he wants an interesting fight yeah but Vegeta. Vegeta's not really that way. The only thing that I could justify that with Vegeta is Vegeta thinking, this guy's not worth it. This guy's not worth my all. I'm too good to power up to Super Saiyan Blue to beat <laughs> I can this see guy. that, yeah. I'm not giving you the, the, I guess, the dignity of knowing that you fought me at my highest form. Yeah, exactly. That's the only way I could really justify that with Vegeta not going all out. I but... could definitely see that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But uh, that more or less wraps up that episode. Did you have any other thoughts on that one? Uh, the only thing I have to point out is at the very end of this episode, Kaba is chosen as the next fighter in the match. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I'm almost jumping the gun because I'm excited to get to that episode. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> we, we get a preview, basically, of what's going to be happening next with Kaba stepping forth. Um, but from there, as far as, I guess, an episodic review... It was an all right episode, Uh, some decent fighting. I didn't like the cliffhangers resolution, so I wasn't a huge fan of that. Um, I mean, overall, it was it was all right. I don't regret watching that episode. It entertained me. And that's all I asked for. Yeah, it was okay. I would have I mean, throughout this whole thing, I would like the animation to be better. Yeah. But besides that, I like I like the quirky bad guys. I I mean, you can tell that. They're not going all out because they're not going Super Saiyan Blue, but the quirkiness is fun. It's fun to see something a little bit different than just who's stronger and punch each other really hard. And it's it's more creative characters. It's something different, yeah. and I like that. Yeah, I agree. So I think that kind of moves us on to the next episode where we're going to get Vegeta versus Kaba. That's true. So we are on episode 37. Don't forget your Saiyan pride. Vegeta versus the Saiyan of Universe 6. Heck yeah. All right. So I think this one starts us right off with, uh, I, I guess they're getting Vegeta prepped and ready for the next fight. They're wiping him up. He's getting some something to drink. He's getting some water. They're cleaning up the ring, too, because there's a giant hole put into it. Yeah, that's right. And they make it a little bit bigger, too. But uh, there actually was a, a line here early on that I wanted to talk about briefly where Yamcha says that Kaba reminds him of Goku, which I thought was kind of a weird comment. At least visually, Kaba to me does not remind me of Go- Kid Goku at all. <laughs> I'll say like he's tall and skinny, whereas Goku was kind of like short and I guess baby body. <laughs> I yeah. don't know how else to describe it. Um, <laughs> their hair doesn't even really look that similar. Um, no, I don't know. It's their demeanors are wildly different. I, yeah. I mean, it felt like a really forced comment to try and be like, look, they really are like our sayings. It's like, no, they're not. They're completely no. different. <laughs> yeah, that was really weird. It just felt it definitely felt forced. I, I didn't really like that comment at all. Which uh, there wasn't even a need for that comment. Let the sayings in the other universe be different than the ones in ours. Like they have radically different storylines and histories. Let that show. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, they they even tried very hard to show that they were different initially off the bat, and now they're trying to connect them in some way. I don't know. It, was, it felt weird. Just shut up, Yamcha. No one cares. <laughs> That's pretty much everybody's MO. <laughs> <laughs> but we got the uh, an interaction with the Kais here where the 
universe six kai says that the saiyans are from their universe are heroes of justice and uh there he kind of has a back and forth with the elder kai but what i thought was kind of funny here was that ball they were talking about how the saiyans of universe six are paid to kind of keep the peace and balma and chi chi are lamenting that they got the deadbeat oh, saiyans yeah. who don't have any jobs uh, <laughs> i actually thought that was hilarious i did think that was kind of funny but i mean they make up for it in other ways like they're jacked yeah, <laughs> they're no string bean like Kaba. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I was just like, well, looks wise, I think I know which universe I'd go with. <laughs> I'll definitely take me a Goku or a Vegeta any day. <laughs> uh, how right. old is Kaba supposed to be, by the way? That is a great question. Off the top of my head, I really don't know. I I think we get the impression that he's pretty young, maybe like late teens, possibly early twenties. Oh wow, is he that old? I think so. Um, he might I'm, be a little bit younger, but I'm not positive about that. See, I had assumed he was like 13, 14. Yeah, but it's hard I, to tell. The The show does a bad job at kind of describing age. Like, how old are Goten and Trunks? <laughs> they're 13 and 14. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> okay, I thought they were like, you know, five and eight. Uh, nope. <laughs> oh, buddy. But, yeah, Super's done some weird things with age, but yeah. So yeah, I I think he's. I would guess fourteen to eighteen. I would he wouldn't be surprised if he were in his early twenties, though, based on the way that they treat him. Okay, I guess. I, actually, I, I'm going to say that makes sense, even though you could pretty much pick a an age number out of a hat, and I would probably agree with it. Yeah, <laughs> well, he's fifty six. All right, saying sure are different in that universe. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You can kind of explain it away however you like. <laughs> <laughs> but we, I mean, we get to start or we get the fight started here pretty quick. And I think they they both start fighting off in base form. You can tell that Vegeta is going easy. I mean, he's he's feeling out the fight. He even says something to the effect of Kaba uh, should pace himself a little bit more. And they're, one of the things that I liked in this fight is that they actually have some some fakes. There's some actual like fake outs where Vegeta goes to kick with one foot, then kicks with the other. And I like that they showed that uh, because it shows at least some thought into the fighting, even though it wasn't, again, wasn't animated very well. Um, no, this was, I mean, this fight, you're not there for the visuals. It definitely feels like they're focusing more on the dialogue and the story between Kaba and Vegeta. That That's actually the main course when it comes to this episode. That's a good point. And we really start to see that here as Vegeta is shocked to see Kaba using what looks like Vegeta's Gallic gun attack. And tell me your thoughts on this, because I I didn't get the impression that Kaba was doing what Goku did initially with the Kamehameha and just like saw it and then used it. I more so got the impression that Kaba knew the technique himself and was just using a very similar technique to Vegeta. Oh, I actually, yeah, the the way you thought about it, I didn't think there was any other way to think about it. I thought it was because Vegeta had already mentioned that his fighting stance was similar to uh, the you know their universe's fighting stance or his fighting stance. And so when he yeah. went to use the Gallic gun, I was just like, all right, well, these are just more similarities between these universes. If, is that what was supposed to be happening? Because I I never thought that it was Kaba, I guess, 
replicating Vegeta's techniques from watching. I always thought it was just Kaba doing what his universe was doing, which was similar to, I guess, Vegeta. Yeah, and I, I think it's probably supposed to be that way. The only thing that even led me to consider the other direction is the fact that Vegeta did use his Gallic gun in his fight with Megeta. So Kaba had the opportunity to watch it, um, but there's there's no commentary to say that Kaba copied it. Vegeta's just shocked to see him using it as well. Well, Yamcha did say that Kaba reminds him of a young Goku, and Goku could see techniques and learn them like that. So uh, there you there's go. something there. Um, Yamcha figured it, it out. Yamcha's really the MVP. No, he's not. Shut, yeah, go play <laughs> baseball, Yamcha. <laughs> we'll get to that eventually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's right. <laughs> But uh, they they actually make a comment here, which I wasn't a big fan of, that uh, Vegeta says Kaba and he are evenly matched in their base form, which maybe he's, you know, blowing smoke up Kaba's shorts or something. But I just didn't really like that comment. It makes no sense to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't really get it. I think maybe it's Vegeta's trying to cut him some slack because of sane pride or something like that. But I mean, it's. Even if it's true, let's assume they are equally matched in base forms. Fine. Vegeta has seven forms above that. That doesn't really matter. Yeah, and that, that's a good point. And that actually brings us to Vegeta basically saying, let's kick this up a notch. Let's go to Super Saiyan and fight from there. And Kaba says, I can't. I don't know how to transform. And Kaba asks Vegeta in the middle of this fight, Will you please teach me how to transform into a Super Saiyan? I want to know so that I can be stronger and so I can help defend my universe and my family. And what do and you think? Vegeta's about this? response is my favorite thing because Vegeta just gets pissed off at him because we're in the middle of a match right now and you're asking me to train you. Do you know how disrespectful that is? And Vegeta just goes berserk and starts beating the absolute snot out of Kaba. I freaking love it. I love this, too. Yeah, Vegeta transforms. He starts pummeling Kaba. We actually get the audience worrying about Vegeta turning evil and killing Kaba. And I was a little bit disappointed with this, if only because I didn't like that they had Balma expressing that same concern. Because at this point, with all the time that Balma and Vegeta have spent together, I really want Balma to understand Vegeta. Well, she should know him, right? Like, there should be that deeper connection. She should be able to look at this and go, like, guys, settle down. I know what he's doing. I really wanted to hear that from her. But unfortunately, we got Balma being like, oh, no, you know, what's Vegeta doing? Why is he doing this? Um, But I I would have liked to have heard that a little bit differently. Um, But basically, we get Vegeta pummeling Kaba to the point where Kaba says, I give up. Oh, yeah. And that was the wrong thing to say to Vegeta because it just it ignites a fire in him and he just cranks the pain train to 11 and Kaba starts getting just repeatedly knocked into the air and kicked around and is just being absolutely brutalized. Yes, I love this. Vegeta actually says in response to it, even if you quit on me, I will kill you. I love it. It's this is like Saiyan Saga Vegeta coming out and it's fantastic. And I think we get to a point where Vegeta says that he's going to blow up Sadala, murder Kaba's family 
and make sure that he does it slowly and painfully. <laughs> and this was the, uh, I guess, the final straw for Kaba because he actually gets some fight back into him and we see him ignite into a super saiyan. Woo! It wasn't that hard. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm a little bit torn on this, but uh, I I like what they're going for here. I like Vegeta knowing exactly what to do to get somebody to turn Super Saiyan. Um, the so we, I mean, the and the transformation here didn't even look very great, unfortunately. Uh, but we've got Super Saiyan Kaba against Super Saiyan Vegeta, and now Kaba is going to town. Kaba is actually beating up on Vegeta for a period of time here. And they they try to even show some more dynamic shots with Kaba, which I like them at least trying. Uh, we get Kaba's like little kick combo where he kicks Vegeta up into the air. And then one parallel that I really like here with Kaba and Vegeta is Kaba gets slams uh, Vegeta down into the ground. And then Kaba does what I, I like to call, and I think some of the fans like to call the Daka Daka, where <laughs> he's just like, shooting the tons of key blast down at Vegeta, which is a very angry Vegeta move. Yeah, so I really like that parallel. We've seen that a couple times. That's the letting loose, let it all fly and just blast everything you got at him and see what sticks. Yeah, that, I thought that was hilarious. And I loved that. That was really well done. Um, but then it it, it kind of goes from there where Kaba throws a punch at Vegeta with Vegeta just smiling and just letting it come in. and. Vegeta no-sells it. He takes the punch straight to the forehead and no effect. And uh, that's when Vegeta, I think Kaba kind of goes out of his transformation and Vegeta explains to him and starts teaching him that anger is the key to transforming into a Super Saiyan. Yeah, that's how you access the power. He explains that you've got to be able to tap into your rage and that's where the Super Saiyan form comes from. And just like that, Kaba's able to master super saiyan and can go right back into that form yeah which i think both of us are a little bit torn on that because we've never seen that happen before at this um, point uh super Saiyan's so cheap that it's just not worth anything so i guess i guess he can have it <laughs> just well when i think back to you know goku and namek or future trunks it just it was so cool to see it happen and now it's just well another super saiyan yeah i i think I'll give them a pass here, if only because I like what they're doing with Vegeta's character. And I, I like what they're doing with trying to get Vegeta into a mentor role where he cares about somebody else's progress. Um, but not his so, sons, right? <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's not him, then he cares. Any other saying, literally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's some... Some mixed stuff going on there, but <laughs> we'll touch on that another time. <laughs> uh, I don't love my son. I can't train him. He doesn't age. <laughs> He's going to be young forever. <laughs> but at that point, we basically get the conclusion to this fight where Vegeta transforms into Super Saiyan Blue just to show Kaba the transformation. Uh, he gives him another whoop Yeah, buddy. <laughs> and he basically says, Remember this pain and let this fuel you. Let this motivate you so that you can, you know, one day get to where I'm at. And and that quick flash into Super Saiyan Blue, it does. This is the first time we see something catch hits attention. So. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Uh, hit actually looks up for that. 
And there's actually a couple of really good lines. Again, I'm gushing here because Vegeta. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and gush. Yeah, there's a couple of really good lines here where Vegeta reprimands Kaba, but in more of like a mentor position at this point where he's saying, you know, you gave up or you tried to give up in that fight. He says, surrender is worse than defeat. Never forget who you are. Where is your Saiyan pride? And he equates Saiyan pride with strength. And I love this. This is like quintessential Vegeta. This really expresses who he is at his core. And it's not it's not just Vegeta being proud or showing pride in himself. It's Vegeta showing pride as a Saiyan for another Saiyan, which is, I love this. This shows Vegeta actually caring about another person uh, and and really just further expressing that pride as a Saiyan. Yeah, and that's always been, I guess, a, a core part of his character. He's always screamed about Saiyan pride, but there are quite a few moments where it's actually kind of an important, almost heart-touching kind of moment where... Mm-hmm. He like he honestly believes in that. It is important to him. Whether it's back on Namek when uh he asked Goku to strike down Frieza for destroying his planet, or right now yep. when he's meeting in another Saiyan from another universe and he's putting that kind of that responsibility of being strong and carrying on the legacy of the race, he's laying it on the cabin now. Exactly. And I, I really like that a lot. And this is I mean, it's showing growth for Vegeta and it's showing his character change because I mean, there's been a long, long time where Vegeta didn't care about anybody but himself. And now mm-hmm. he cares about Balma. He cares about Trunks, arguably. He cares about Kaba. Um, and then there's he's got another line here towards the end where Kaba says that he wants to one day get as strong as Vegeta. And Vegeta says, set your sights higher. Meaning, I don't want you to get as strong as me. I want you to surpass me. I want you to get stronger. And that's what Vegeta is always working towards with Goku. Vegeta is always trying to get stronger than Goku. So I I really liked that exchange between them. Uh, And then Kaba says, I I will do that. And Vegeta's like, yeah, but I'm not going to let you just surpass me. (laughs) You got to actually do it here. I'm not a pushover. (laughs) That's right. So just these, these little pieces of dialogue between them, I really, really enjoy. Um, and we kind of wrap up the match with Kaba saying to Vegeta, you remind me of King Sadala. He's kind of like a strong, proud Saiyan, just like you are. And Vegeta says, you'll have to, I'd love to meet him someday. I hope Vegeta kills him when he does. <laughs> I'm the better king. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the king of Saiyans now. That, that's Upgrade. right. I... <laughs> I'm the prince of all Saiyans. I'm the king of all Saiyans in prince all universes. I'm the Saiyan called Prince King. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, as you guys can all probably tell, I I like this episode. I love Vegeta. I really like what they're trying to do here and trying to change his character to be a little bit more kind and caring and take on that mentor role. Uh, and so... For the most part, that brings us getting close to the end of the episode here. I think yeah, I think one there's or... only one more big point that we need to get across, unless I'm forgetting something. But 
the the next fighter in the match is announced and it's going to be universe's six best fighter hit going up against vegeta right and that's pretty much where we wrap up this episode episode 37 which is the last one that we're covering tonight and sorry to everybody especially anybody who's still listening this one's going to be a long one oh yeah and it's a two-parter too (laughs) (laughs) yeah we had a a lot to talk about particularly with this episode we tried to skip over some of the the less interesting stuff but what did you think about that episode as a whole dayton uh probably in the episodes we covered probably one of the best ones if not the best one in the first part of the saga i would say there's some the fighting isn't necessarily the best but the story is probably the best in it and that's more or less what the the first part of the saga is all about it's all about story and build up and i think we get a lot of that here so i'm a big fan of this episode um i don't know if it's my favorite episode but it's up there in this in this part of the saga that's fair I think everybody could probably tell by my gushing for 20 minutes about this episode that I really enjoy this one. And uh, I think Dayton and I both kind of agreed to end our first part of our Universe 6 coverage on this episode because it it ends on a good note. It, it wraps things up on a good note with Vegeta, and we'll kind of get to see some interesting stuff with him and Hit next time. Oh, yeah. There's definitely some more fighting in our future when, when we return. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think at that point, we're going to kind of wrap up this episode. Uh, We've run pretty dang long for this one. Uh, Dayton, did you have anything else you wanted to discuss? Mm, I think we covered everything in over two hours of detail. So I think we pretty much got it down. Yeah, I mean, it's only two hours. That's all. (laughs) That's it. Just a a quick, (laughs) sultry two hours. Yeah, no problem. So I think that's it for this episode of Instant Transmission, where we discuss everything Dragon Ball. This has been your host, Todd. And Dayton. Be sure to join us next time as we cover the second half of the Universe 6 arc. We'll get to see Hit in all his glory and the resolution to the tournament between Universes 6 and 7. That's it for this episode of Instant Transmission. To all our fellow Dragon Ball fans, Stay safe out there, and remember to keep rocking the dragon. Nah.